Well, hey, what's up, Propel Church? It's Pastor Nick, and I am so glad to be here with you today for the final week of our message series, When Life Gives You Limits. I have loved the opportunity over the last four weeks to be with you and to share truths from God's Word. If you are with us for the first time, please let us know that by filling out an online connect card, propel.church slash online. We would love to connect with you. And if you call Propel Church home, This is a great time to hit the share button and share the good news of Jesus with your friends. I don't know about you, but I have loved this message series so much. It's been one of my favorites. I know I say that every time, but a lot of you have said that as well. And as we've gone through this series, just to bring you up to speed, we've talked about the power of our words. We've talked about vision. We've talked about how we act and conduct ourselves in the middle of culture that compromises things. Last week, we talked about worship. And so if you've missed any of those messages, do us a favor, go back. They're on our archived on our YouTube channel and on our website. We would love for you to take some time and watch those. But today, I want to wrap this series up by talking about the lemon of financial crisis. Now, I know that for some of you, you feel tempted to just click off the video right now. You're like, pastor's going to talk about money, and I don't know if I can listen to this. Do me a favor. Ask yourself, why is it so uncomfortable for us to talk about money in the church? Jesus talks about money more than heaven and hell combined, and I think that you and I have a great opportunity to learn some truths from God's Word about how He feels about finances. Because for me, when COVID-19 first took place and I realized there was going to be some financial crisis involved, my desire to give decreased a little bit. Like internally, my first response is I've got to hold on to everything I have. And if we're not careful, the enemy will use distractions in this world to derail us from the plans and the calling that God has told us to do in our lives. So giving for me in this COVID season, in this weird time of financial crisis here and there is really an opportunity for me to put my money where my mouth is when I say that I trust God financially. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes through a passage of scripture. If you have a Bible, go with me to Genesis chapter 26, beginning in verse 1. And this is what it says. It says that a severe famine now struck the land as it had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, lived. If you're taking notes, the first thing that I have for you today is this. Famines are inevitable in life. You thought you were going to get this like super encouraging message, and I promise I'm going to give you some practical truths in just a little bit, and you're, you're going to love me even more. But first, we got to know that famines are inevitable. There are going to be seasons, there are going to be times in your life and in mine where we experience famine. And typically a famine is a a big shortage of food, but a famine could be a shortage in anything in your life and in my life. 
So, so like when COVID first started, um, a few weeks after that, I went to uh, go to the store. I was going. I just got a smoker. I was excited. I go to pick me up a Boston butt, and there was a famine in the land. Right? They had a meat shortage. People were struggling. I realized I could only get one rack of ribs, but I wanted two rack of ribs. But because of a famine, I had a shortage. Now, for others of us, we've had famines in other ways. We may have a shortage. There's a famine in your finances, right? You look at the way your bills are structured and you look at what's coming in versus what's going out and you feel like there ain't nothing left. There's a shortage in the land. Others of us have famine in the area of relationships where there may have been a season where our life was filled with a lot of abundance of people, but now it just seems like those have dwindled. For some of us, there's a famine in our time. Others of us, there's a lack of passion for our relationship with God, and there just feels like we have a shortage. And truthfully, when those seasons happen, we feel stuck. Famines are often accompanied by seasons of drought, and it feels like we lack so many things in our life that we're unable to actually see the good things that God is doing. You feel stuck and don't know what to do. I remember several years ago, I was speaking at a conference. It was uh, right before Tori and I were going to get married, and I traveled out of town. I was speaking at this event. They put us in a nice hotel, and uh, I'm going up to my room. I just got done teaching um, that day several times, and I'm, I'm getting in the elevator, and as we're going up the elevator, uh, or going up in the elevator, the elevator starts to shake a little bit, and it just stops. Like, not... One of my worst nightmares, right? I'm just kind of afraid of heights, don't love super small spaces, and the thought of being stuck in an elevator with strangers is something that makes me cringe internally. So I'm in there, and I'm stuck, and I'm freaking out because I don't know how to get out of the situation that I'm currently in. And I think for a lot of us, when famines come through our life, we feel stuck. We feel like we don't know how to get out or what we're going to do, and it just feels like everything isn't working. So I don't know what you lack today, but I do know there's probably a famine in some area of your life in this season or in the next. But the good news is that God wants to speak to us in the middle of a famine. So let's keep reading in Genesis chapter 26, verse 2. It says, so the Lord appeared to Isaac, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solely promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of earth will be blessed. I'll do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all the requirements, the commands, the decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now, 
I know I told you that I'm talking about finances today, and I'm going to get to a few practical things in just a second because we're about to jump all the way down to verse 12, and it's going to be really, really powerful. But I just want to give you a life principle that we find in this text that I think is really important when we come into a famine season. So the second thing I have for you today is this. Remember what God said before the famine. If you and I want to navigate a famine well, if we want to navigate when life throws us lemons, one of the greatest things we can do is remember what God said before the famine ever came into our life. One of the things you've heard me say during this message series over and over and over again is that your circumstance may change, but your God hasn't. And one of the best things we can do when we can't see what God has said is we hold on to what God has said. And in this life, in your life and in mine, we've got to remember the promises that God has made us in past seasons because our circumstance and our situation may not look like what God has promised, but God hasn't changed what he said. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he's made a promise to you and he's made a promise to me, he is faithful to finish what he started. He is faithful to continue the good work that he began in us long ago. Our situation might change, but God hasn't. Years before this, you can go through the book of Genesis. I think beginning in chapter 12, we see uh, God give Abraham this promise, and maybe it's 16, but regardless, in Genesis, we see God promise Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abraham still experienced a famine. And it didn't change God's promise. Now Abraham's son Isaac is living in a land of famine. And it didn't change God's promise. In famine, oftentimes I can't see what God has said. But I have to hold on to it. And you may be wondering, like, why in the world would God speak these things to me? Why would he give me his promises? Why would he share that with me just for me to go through hardship? And Jesus actually gives us the answer to that. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So the reason why God shares his promises with us is so that in a famine season, in a drought season, we can still have peace because we know that our situation might have changed, but God hasn't. So he says, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have famine. There's going to be seasons of shortage. There's going to be drought. But take heart. I have overcome the world. There is nothing that you're experiencing or facing in this world that Jesus Christ can't overcome or hasn't already overcome. One of the best things we can do when we're in that season of famine is remember what God has said. Because God doesn't waste a word. God uses a word to breathe new life into a dry season. So don't think that the words God has shared with you in the past are wasted. Use them in your season of famine to remember who he really is. So what happens after that is Isaac continues to go on and He's a little bit nervous um, about 
going into this new land. He's got his wife with him, but he feels like these people are going to love his wife because she's beautiful and that they might kill him to get her. So he says, this is my sister. What Isaac doesn't understand, possibly, now maybe he learned this from dad, but in chapters previous, Abraham did the exact same thing before Isaac was even born. When we talk about finances, I'm not going to hit this for too long, but we've got to be really careful about replicating the generational patterns that are negative that we may not even know are a part of our family. Typically, when you look at poverty, it's a generational thing. It didn't just start with you. Typically, when you look at addictions, it's a generational thing. And But just because your parents did something some way doesn't mean that you have to continue on the same path. Thankfully, in Christ, you can begin a new work. You can begin a new line. You can begin a new lineage, a new name for your family. So don't feel like you're stuck in the same patterns. After that, the king is like, man, why would you do this to me? You would put a curse on me if I was to take your wife because I thought she was your sister. So so then it says this in verse 12. Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 said, When Isaac planted his crop that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For God blessed him, for the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. In the middle of a famine, this is where I want to talk to you about finances. In the middle of a famine, Isaac got a hundredfold harvest. I believe that if you and I feel like we're in a famine today, God can bring a hundredfold if we choose to plant in the middle of it. And when I say plant, what I'm talking about is is your time, your talent, and your treasure. This releasing, you know, because planting is I have a seed in my hand and I sow it into the ground. There's a transition of ownership that takes place from me to God. That's what planting is. So I take what God's given me and I release it out into the world, my time, my talent, my treasure. But I want to primarily talk about treasure today. In seasons of famine, what we typically feel like is that we hoard what we've been given, that we hoard our treasure, that we hold on to what we have. But Isaac planted what is in his hand because the worst thing you can do to a seed is never release it. Because a seed that's not released will never reach its full potential. A seed that's not planted and buried into the earth will never sprout into something beautiful. A seed that isn't sown is a seed that can't sprout. So we need to be people who plant in seasons of famine because when we give in a season of famine, something shifts our mindset to be on the mission of God, to be on his pace and on his time. So I want to give you three reasons why I plant in the middle of a famine. Three reasons why I choose to give, even if I don't feel like it. If I choose to give when when things get bleak and bare, three practical things for you today. The first is this. We plant in a famine because the season changed, but the soil didn't. We plant in a famine because the season changed, but the soil didn't. So as followers of Jesus, we don't give to the church. We give through the church. 
The church is the delivery mechanism for the advancement of the gospel because the church is not a building, it's a people. And as as your pastor, my responsibility is to equip the saints for ministry. So if you're a follower of Jesus, my responsibility is not just to put on a great church service, but to help you be ready to share Jesus with your friends, your family, and get you ready to live and honor Christ in the world. That's my responsibility. The soil that we sow into didn't change. Over the last four years at Propel, man, one of the things that I love is that we're sowing into, every time I give, I know I'm sowing into good soil. How do I know that? Because over the last four years, we, as a church, we have seen almost 800 decisions for Jesus, and we've baptized 299 people. The average church in America sees 6.6 baptisms a year. There are some churches that see astronomically higher than that. Actually, in our area, not just Mount Pleasant, but kind of Cabarrus County, the average church sees two baptisms a year. But as a church, we've already baptized 13 people this year. And we were on track to baptize even more. And we're going to, we'll tell you more information about that soon. We believe in what God is doing. We know this is good soil because people are getting saved, people are getting baptized, and the best soil that you can plant in is not one that just impacts the temporary, but one that impacts eternity. That's good soil. But here's what we know. Man, the season definitely changed. (laughs) This season looks nothing like what the last season looked like, but it's still good soil. God is still using this church to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And in famine seasons, I believe that God has challenged Tori and I to continue to sow, to continue to give, to continue to trust him with everything we've been given because God is faithful and he's continuing to build his church. This is good soil. Another reason why God, I believe, has challenged Tori and I to give even more in famine seasons is the second thing for these three practical things I've got for you is that you can't harvest what you don't plant. You can't harvest what you don't plant. You ought to punch somebody and say, you can't harvest what you don't plant. I think we need to learn that as a culture. We need to learn that as a nation because what a lot of us feel is entitled to blessing without the responsibility of working. And what we can't get, according to Scripture, is that many times we want the blessing of harvest without the season of waiting. We have to be people who sow and people who then reap. Look at what uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says. Remember, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So so the best thing we can know about the way the kingdom of God works is if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you'll reap generously. God doesn't overcomplicate things. He says, you will receive according to the measure that you're willing to give. That's good news for you and I if we understand kingdom economics. 
My willingness to plant, my willingness to give is directly correlated to what I'm able to receive down the road. You won't get out what you're not willing to put in. So let me just challenge you. I don't know where you're at financially, but what I do know is that your finances are in way better hands in God's than yours. That was what I've experienced. I can share hundreds of stories with you with other people who have experienced the same thing. And our willingness to let go is tied directly to the blessing that we receive. And because because one of the other principles that Jesus teaches us is if we're faithful with little, we'll be entrusted with much. I remember just a year ago, we were getting ready to go into the more campaign as a church. And the more campaign was where we were getting into this facility and we were believing Ephesians 3.20. I love that passage that God is able to do more than we might ask, think, or imagine. And so as we were looking at the facility and we were doing a big give weekend, I had just stepped away um, from a five-figure salary at a creative agency and had taken a small pay increase here at the church, but felt like with the season we were in that the Lord had challenged Tori and I to give that increase. And I got to be honest, I was super nervous about it because I was taking a really big pay cut and a really small bump up and God was like, give me all of it. But over the course of the last 12 months, 16 months now, I've seen God grow Tori and I's finances in ways that we didn't even expect because we were faithful with little. I remember when I first started out as a youth pastor and Tori and I were were scrounging to, to even get enough money to go eat. And yet throughout that year, God continued to lay on our heart that we were to bless people financially and we were to pay for people's dinners. We were going to stand in line at Walmart and he was going to say, you should pay for their food. And we would go, Lord, We have to operate by faith because there ain't that much money in a bank, right? Over and over and over again, God provides. Because when you're faithful with little, he entrusts you with much. What have you been given? Because if you'll choose to give according to the measure in which you've received, you can reap a hundredfold harvest this year. Then third thing is this. God won't multiply the seed you hold on to. God won't multiply the seed you hold on to. In order to receive a hundredfold blessing, and the cool thing is, it said he got a hundredfold blessing in the same year that a famine was going on. Most of the time, you may sow something and not reap it in the same year. But Isaac's blessing is that he sowed and reaped in the same year. But in order to receive a hundredfold blessing, you have to let go of what you currently have. What Isaac did is he took the seed that he had been entrusted with and he planted it. Because again, a seed will never fulfill its intended purpose in your hands. A seed will only fulfill its intended purpose when it's released into the soil of what God is doing. And I'm not ta- this is not a message to say you need to give all your money to the church and 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 I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not doing this message cuz the church needs your money. In this season we've experienced an increase in our financial giving and I tell people consistently, I don't need you to give, you need to give. 
Because when your heart is in alignment with God's in the area of finances, you've removed the curse of the enemy over your finances, and you've broken strongholds that bondage most people's hearts. It's a big win. So I don't need you to do this because the church needs more money or anything like that. What I'm saying is, if you and I choose to let go of what God has given us, we can actually see more people meet Jesus. We'll see a hundredfold harvest. You've been praying for friends and family members to meet Jesus for some time, but you're still holding on to what God has given you. When you choose to take what you've been given and sow it and plant it, into the ground. God is able to do more with your seed than you were able to do with it. It reminds me of the story of Jesus when he feeds 5,000 people. In the hands of a young man, these were just some fish and some bread. But in the hands of Jesus, it could feed 5,000 people. In your hands, you will you will be able to impact your family. But in the hands of God, when God is in control of your finances, you can impact the world. And I believe there's something inside of every single one of us that desires to make a difference, not just locally, but globally, that we want to know that our life mattered and we made a difference. I want to bankrupt hell and impact heaven in Jesus' name. You better hit that heart emoji if you agree. God won't multiply the seeds you hold on to because the test of your control rests in your ability and willingness to release it. Do you trust you more than you trust God in the area of your finances? Because what most of us want is we want to experience the blessing without releasing. And it doesn't work that way. When you release it, God will bless it. Because what you what's bound on earth is bound in heaven. But what's loosed on earth will be loose in heaven. These are kingdom principles on finances. I actually taught a message series all on finances. Three weeks. It's called Mo Money. You didn't hear it wrong. Mo, M-O, apostrophe, Mo Money. You should go back to YouTube and check it out. Incredible message series on giving right before COVID happened. And uh, God did some incredible stuff there. The good news of all this is that the famine doesn't have to be over for an increase to take place. I think sometimes we expect that you know, we can't be blessed in a famine season. But Isaac was blessed. His wealth increased, I believe, because he was faithful with what he had been given. And really, you know, there's there's this thing called the prosperity gospel, which is where um, people talk about how God's desire is for you to be healthy, wealthy, and blessed. And that's the purpose of why Jesus wants a relationship with you. And that's not it. Jesus wants a relationship with you because A, he loves you, and B, you have a debt on your life that you can't pay for yourself, and he loves you so much that he was willing to pay for that. However, biblical prosperity is that you and I would receive or experience blessing here on earth because of the stewardship that we're doing with the resources that God has given us. So don't think that there's no prosperity in the Bible because prosperity does exist, but it starts with you and I being stewards of what God has entrusted every single one of us with. So what I want you to do today, I've got a little declaration for you. It's this, I will walk by faith with my finances in the middle 
of a famine. Let me say it one more time. I will walk by faith with my finances in the middle of a famine. When a famine hits the land, what we typically feel like is it's a really good time to hoard. It's a really good time to hold on to. But again, the worst thing you could do for a seed is never sow it. Because a seed that doesn't sow, hasn't been sown, is a seed that can't sprout. And I believe what God wants to do with all of us is to show us that he could do way more with our stuff than we could ever do alone. This is good soil. We're seeing people meet Jesus. Does it look different? Heck yeah, it looks different. Is this season what any of us wanted? I don't, I don't know. I think even the introverted people are over it at this point. But it doesn't change the condition of the soil. And what we plant now impacts the next harvest season that we have. I'm praying for our church that we have a hundredfold harvest season this year in the middle of a famine. Because as followers of Jesus, we're going to walk by faith in the area of our finances. I might not see what God is currently doing now, but I know that he's faithful. And when he's in control of my finances, it's in better hands than mine. Let me pray for you really quick. God, I pray for people to have boldness this year in sowing their time, their talent, their treasures in the middle of famine. God, I pray they would know that in your hands, things are able to grow, things are able to multiply, and and you, God, you can see them through to the end. And for some of us, what we need to understand today is that the greatest seed that was ever sown was God sending his son Jesus for us. God sent his son into the world, and that seed, Jesus, was put through death. He was buried, and then he rose again so that death wouldn't be the end for us, so that our sin could be paid in full. And you can never experience the full blessing of God without Jesus Christ in your life. So today, if you'd say, hey, you know what? I realize that really money is my God or I'm still my God. I'm the one that's calling all the shots. Would you just say a simple prayer with me to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? Nobody prays alone. We're all going to pray this together. Say this with me, church. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.